What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast powered by Dakota Lithium. In this episode, Hayden and I are going to be talking about driving around to scout. You'll hear us talk about that a lot in the summertime when we're checking out new areas or in a new area that we've never hunted before, even in season. And I think a lot of times we mention that, but we don't necessarily dive into the specifics of what we're looking for that often. And there's a lot of things over the years that have helped us out that we've picked up on by driving around. I think a lot of times it ultimately is how we find what we refer to as overlooked spots. I personally feel like the term overlooked spots is kind of getting ridiculous. It's a little overused. This general idea of, well, you got to find the overlooked spot. That's always easier said than done. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about how we specifically look for these overlooked spots when we're driving to scout. Some of the things that we're looking for as far as deer sign, sign of other hunters, and habitat types as well. And these are all things that we can see from the road. So hopefully you guys can pick up on some things and help you improve your hunts as well when you're driving around to scout. Before we get into the podcast, I wanted to remind you guys that we have partnered with the social platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media's censorship. Go Wild's a free social community where your photos are not censored, instead they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. You can either click the link in the description of this podcast, or you can visit downloadgowild.com to get started. If you become a member on Go Wild, you can also save 10% off of their store if you use the code THP10. They got a bunch of cool gear on there. They got gear that we use. So check out Go Wild. All right, let's talk about finding overlooked spots. Dude, I was setting this stuff up and just sat down and just punched the front of my knee right where the incision is, right into the leg of the table. So that was... Uh, nice yeah but i mean it's whatever it's like a little ding it's not that big of a deal but it was like yeah. the first time that i've really banged it on something so that yeah it's a vulnerable spot too that's easy to bang like i was fortunate mine was on the inside of my arm so it's yeah. always protected but that's i'm sure it's not gonna be the last no then that's the thing about going hunting too it's like i'm getting to that point where i'm close i think for the first time in my life i wish i lived in some flat ground where i could just you know <laughs> go yeah. walk a logging road or something but i don't know i called grant so he didn't answer i'm gonna see what he's doing this weekend and maybe we can at the very least like you know try to call onto the road or something yeah that'd be cool. <laughs> i didn't think about it either like the fact that you spend a lot of time on your knees especially with deer hunting from the ground that that's probably gonna aggravate it a little bit but mm-hmm. at least in turkey hunting you're sitting on your butt as a as behind the gun mm-hmm. when you're filming though that's you're gonna be on your knees a lot that's probably gonna hurt it a little bit yeah yeah it's gonna be an experimental deal yeah. once i start going because i feel like there's things that i don't even know about yet that are gonna be hang-ups you know and yeah the other thing is is like going downhill like when it bends it puts so much pressure on the front of the knee mm-hmm. which is where they took the graft from is the patellar tendon so it's like any aggressive terrain where you would you know take a step and drop multiple feet i'm out on it which, <laughs> which is weird because you know typically i love that stuff so yeah it's, it's kind of hard to like think 
trail <laughs> walking yeah. the bottom only you know <laughs> no up and around him just like hopefully you can bring him down so wow. i don't know it, it also makes me like appreciate trying to find places that are easy to access and trying to like think back on you know what those places look like when i have found them in the past and i have been mm-hmm. spending a bunch of time map scouting with a little bit of a different perspective on it so that's kind of cool yeah that'll come into play in the topic we're discussing today as far as finding places to access while driving around that'll be a new thing that you haven't really thought about before it's been the opposite mindset for you i was back visiting ben and i I usually walk around scouting a bunch and i was like man like you know this kind of sucks because i can't walk and cover a bunch of ground like i want I'm going to just be limited to checking stuff out in the car. And I still think that's beneficial, but then it's kind of was a light bulb moment. Like, Hey, this would be a pretty cool opportunity to talk about this in the podcast. So specifically Mm -hmm. today, Hayden and I are going to be talking about driving around to scout. And this can be in season, out of season. Um, You know, there's times where this has directly helped us find critters to chase you know, sometimes that day, sometimes the next day. But you'll hear us talk about when we first get to a new location, we usually spend at least a day driving around, checking out new areas, and kind of creating a list of places that maybe when we got there, we had 10 places that we had map scouted that it's like, okay, this is worth checking out. But generally speaking, by the time we make that initial loop or spend that first day or two cruising around an area, that list goes down. But sometimes there's places too that, you know, we didn't notice on the map, but once you drive around, you pick up on something. So yeah. I feel like we've been pretty vague about that in the past, but we want to hopefully talk about some specific examples in this and, you know share with you guys some of the things that we're looking for specifically first thing like when driving around what what would you say is like kind of the initial thing that you're looking for there's a couple different scenarios that i break it down into one's like you said you're going to a a different state it's during the season um and you're trying to hunt now um another time frame is like out of season you're trying to scout for the future and then a third scenario would be like on opening days sometimes i'll, I'll skip the morning hunt especially if it's like a gun season where pressure's super high and i'll just drive around that opening morning just to figure out where everyone is mm-hmm. from a pressure standpoint but i guess if we start with the like you're in a new place and you plan on hunting that day the first thing that i'm doing is looking for access and trying to identify like levels of pressure on specific accesses you can always see on the map the obvious access points the roads a lot of times even like on on x you'll see parking area like now there's an icon on there that just straight up says parking area some states on public land make you park in specific areas Mm -hmm. or some you know pieces of public so kind of getting an idea of what those look like i would say is really the the starting point i value it so much because when you go to it there's so many things that can happen along the way but initially i would say 
sign of hunting pressure. Obviously, yeah. if people are pulled in there, that's that's going to change our opinion on an area. But let's say you pull up to a spot and you've got this whole road access where, you know, there's public on both sides of the road. I would say a lot of times what I'm looking for within those pull-offs is direct hunter sign, like how used and abused is this spot. So a lot of times, you know, pull up, look and see, are there tire tracks in there? Are there fresh tire tracks in there? Is it something that you can tell maybe there's there's junk land in there, like people consistently are pulling in there and pull, dropping stuff out of their truck or straight up just leaving it on the ground, which by no means in promoting that. I actually hate that, so don't do that. But that definitely can tell you if people are, again, using and abusing a spot. You know, there's the type of pull-off that's like a little spot for a vehicle in the dirt off the road or off a dirt road. But then there's this type of spot that, you know, has a little culvert over the ditch. And then there's a big parking area that's gravel. Yep. You can tell people pull in there all the time. Those I generally. They're not your first option. That was kind of one thing I was going to talk about. is like identifying those parking spots. Like you said, you can identify those, uh, those man-made parking spots pretty easily on the map. But I try to identify like something that's more obscure of an access point. And then figure out is the shoulder wide enough where you can park on it are you allowed to access from those locations in that state or wildlife management area and just trying to identify those obscure places that you can go in mm -hmm. there will also be areas especially in that situation where you have public on both sides where there'll just be a whole bunch of pull-offs and if mm -hmm. they all kind of look the same like let's say if there was only in a mile stretch of road, there was only one pull off and it looked, eh, you know, people are in there, but nothing crazy. But then in that same mile or, you know, that same distance, if there was eight of them and they were all used about the same as that one would be, I view that differently too. Like there's a whole bunch of options to pull in here. I generally think, eh, this is definitely getting a lot of attention. And I think that one way to look at it is, if there's like an obvious road into a piece of public land, like a lot of times smack in the middle, those are the types of places that get a lot of attention because just like we are sometimes drawn to them, everybody sees that and they think, well, you know, I can go in there and I'm not even close to private. I got public all over. I can go for miles and, and not run into any private land. But sometimes that funnels people too. I'm not saying it's not worth looking at, but sometimes that funnels people, especially if that, you know, main access road right through the middle is a paved road or mm -hmm. yeah. big parking areas and stuff like that. And then the other thing that I would say that I look for within some of those pull-offs would be like, are people driving past a gate? Are they taking four-wheelers around it? If you get out and walk down a trail, are there just boot tracks and those first few puddles, you know, off the road that are just worn way into the ground? You know, you may view that as too much pressure as well. And every spot's gonna be different in every county, state, piece of public land is gonna have varying levels of pressure. But is there anything else that you look for as far as pull-offs? Um, I guess like if there's a sign of a recent harvest in there, like for turkeys, like if there's feathers on the ground or like if there's a, some people just got their deer right in a parking lot, just looking to see if someone harvested an animal in that specific area. 
which can be a, a, a positive indicator that there are is game to chase in there, but also there's one less game to be chased in there. So mm-hmm. an extra little piece of information that you can gain from it. Um, but yeah, the main thing is just like amount of tires, um, trash is like you mentioned. Um, and it can be, especially it, it can be especially useful if it just rained in the last few days because you can tell how recent people are there and that's for scouting across the board like scouting after rain is is usually the best time to do it but from that same standpoint of just identifying pressure i think like after a rain if if you have time to drive around and see like a couple days after a rain you can have a better idea of exactly how many people have been in there in, in a shorter time frame mm-hmm. one other thing that i forgot to mention would be are people coming from private so as you're looking for that hunter sign keeping an eye on what you can see from the private as well like for example i'm taking note if there's a little hunting cabin or hunting camp that butts up to you know one edge of public land especially if you can tell like they got archery targets back there or you know they got the sign that says so-and-so hunt camp like that was something we noticed a ton in pennsylvania was hunt camp signs which is cool but it's also like given away that that's where you're going in from so that can be used to your advantage as well another thing would be looking for stands or like tower stands on the edge of public i would say Mm -hmm. that's not to say that it would deter me from hunting there but you know if i was maybe thinking about intercepting deer coming from public bedding to an open area on private and i can tell people are hunting that edge just from looking at the road see a tower blind or something then maybe i know that okay i'm going to push deeper in there to try to get closer to that bedding versus, you know, playing it a little safer, closer to the, to the property boundary, assuming the boundary is right on, you know, that field edge or something. So that's something else that I, I notice. And again, not to say that that's going to deter us completely, but it's, it is a factor. Yeah. On the flip side of that too, like I, in the past, I found like signs that say wildlife sanctuary that butts up right next to public or like, anything that identifies that there's no hunting on a property that butts up next to public, like that's all, that's a a good thing to find. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good point. Just being aware of your surroundings at all times. And I think even the way that you drive, I think is important. Like I've gotten on my dad a few times and he's, you know, he's, he's the one that's driving that day. I'm like, dude, where are you going? Like just, tone it back slow down we got nowhere where we're going let's just keep our eyes peeled slow roll through places find a speed that works for you to where you can you know if you're in the passenger's seat you can keep your eyes moving look for animals look at some of these details that we're talking about but then if you're driving obviously you tone it back even more stay safe there's no yeah. rush when you're doing this especially if you have a route planned and i think having a route planned is important Like this isn't just aimlessly driving around. There's generally checkpoints that, you know, we want to look at and there's various factors that jump out at us a lot of times. A lot of them really come down to 
habitat, which we'll talk about that in a minute. One other point too, like aside from identifying parking lots is identifying roads that you can drive. Cause a lot of times you'll see on the map that it'll, it'll look like there's a road there and there's not actually a road or there's a road that there's a gate at finding where those gates are and just trying to identify where you can actually drive is, is one other thing aside from parking lots that I look for. That's actually a really big factor that can change your whole outlook on a place mm-hmm. very quickly is like, oh, there's this whole road system through here, but then you get to that point from you know a more main road and all of a sudden you're like there's a gate here like all these roads are just you know being used by the state or whatever to manage the land and they drive back there but there's a gate to where you can't drive back there and i i find that being one of the most valuable things is yeah yeah because you your map scout and you see a road that runs through the whole thing you're like oh well all these places close to that road kind of just not even going to think about them and then you find out not actually a road that people can travel on it opens up a lot of doors so that's definitely definitely a big one to look for it's one of the between that and park and like finding access areas are like the two main things of just trying to understand a a bigger picture of that landscape that you can't quite get just from map scouting Mm -hmm. i also like to look at where those access points are in relation to the terrain so like for example if I find a pull-off in the bottom in super steep, hilly country, I almost always just assume that there's probably up to 50% less people ever accessing from that point. Yeah. Where, on the other hand, you drive up the hill or mountain and you get to the top and there's an access point right on the ridge to where you can walk for miles and never leave the top, never have to go down and then back up. And I view that very differently. It's not mm-hmm. to say that it's not worth hunting in those areas, but you can adjust based off of where that pressure is coming from a little bit as far as like a particular pull off or spot it's like how thick is it from the road or is there like water crossing yeah that's a big thing especially a lot of the train i hunt in wisconsin is like Mm -hmm. how high is the river is that river bottom going to be completely flooded out where i can't even hunt it at all or like you're saying is there some river that or creek that's restricting access through this certain area like water levels is another really big one that that i'm looking for and i'll check that at all times of season because that's going to change uh frequently throughout the season so there's a lot of places like that too that you may not even be able to notice water from the map for example so Mm -hmm. one example that i have from pretty recently was i was driving around this block and it really was no interest to me at all But as I drove around it, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, okay, there's a beaver dam here that you cannot tell is as wet as it is from the map. Like you look at it on the map and it just kind of looks like a grassy bottom with maybe a little bit of water trickling through it, but nothing you would even worry about. But there had been a backup of water because there was a beaver in there, had completely flooded out the bottom. And then I drove around the other side and the way that, the road was there was public only on one side and everything coming down to the road was so steep that there was no room to pull off like mm-hmm. it was just one of those deals where the hills were really tight to the road there was just no option to park there i guess otherwise you'd have to trudge through beaver dam which i don't know if you have waders or something you could do it but you're also going to make a bunch of noise doing that 
the more that I look for it, the more that I notice there's so many access points. They appear to be access points because the road butts to it, but when you actually drive through that area, the hill comes right down to the road. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, there's literally not room to park a vehicle there. But generally, you could, you know, park up the road and walk down the road or park down the road and walk up a ridge and get to where you're hunting right above the road. But those are the types of places that really stick out to me when we use the term overlooked. You know, it's like people are just driving right past that every day because there's no option to park there. But if there Mm -hmm. is a big obvious pull off, we're all drawn to that as hunters. It's like, oh, we can go in right here. Yeah. One other thing would just be how thick is it off the road? So similar to that hill example that I just used where, you know, the terrain just butts right up to the road, giving you no room to park. There's a lot of situations that I've seen like down south, especially where there's so much thick vegetation right by the road that be a little weird to go in right there. But that may allow you to find a spot where there's a bunch of deer right off the road just because you know, it's a bear to get through it. Yeah. And with like finding places that are close to access that there may be deer in, I think like, especially in hilly terrain where like, where's a spot by this pull off that a deer could observe people coming in and out of like, is there a high point that overlooks this parking lot where they can just monitor people coming in and out? Like that's, that's one thing I try to look for too, is like where, where would a deer feel comfortable monitoring access from and like trying to, find places that might be of interest that are close to the road. That's another, another factor as well. And then again, on the, on the water topic, we talked about like where water's restricting access, but also where, like, is this Creek wide enough to get a kayak down? Is it moving too fast? Like you mentioned where it wouldn't be safe to try to get a kayak down. Is it big enough where someone could get a boat in and go way back down in there? Like trying to look at waters as a form of added access as well as, access it's so common now to hunt with a boat or a kayak or canoe that honestly i view it almost as something that i only want to do if it's really obvious nobody else is doing it because there's so many examples nowadays where i'm going past a creek and you can tell somebody's drug something to just cross the creek uh or you know they're accessing and floating down and going in that way there's a lot of public land that has water around it and Mm -hmm. in those situations you know there's a lot of people that are accessing through those water sources again it's not to say that we won't do it or it doesn't work because you're gonna see us do it again but it just takes a little bit deeper investigation and keeping tabs on places too you know it's like if you're going past the boat ramp and you see you know four trucks at the boat ramp with you know their muddy sticker on the back window it's like okay like they're probably in their deer hunting you know but uh-huh. if they got all their you know duck commander stuff on the other hand well then you can maybe think well maybe they're just duck hunting in there i guess on the habitat side of things during turkey season looking for areas that they've burned recently too mm-hmm. like finding those places while driving around can be another thing that sticks out for something to look for during turkey season specifically Mm -hmm. I think that goes, though, for all hunting seasons. Like, habitat is really a main part of this whole topic. This Mm -hmm. is, I guess, now our transition into the habitat. The the pull-offs and stuff will kind of come along 
as you're getting more experience doing this, but also um, inevitably you're going to be passing those places. So just pull in there, take a look at it, and, and, and move on. But really, a lot of times what we're doing is, is going to check areas that we think may be good either close to the road or further back in there. And a lot of times I would say we're actually looking at the places that may be further back in there, and along the way we might pick up on something that we can't tell from the map, like a burn, like mm-hmm. uh, a cut of some sort that you can't tell. Even happened from the map maybe because of the aerial imagery or it was recent enough that it's not on that, you know, it's not updated, I guess. Yeah. So that's a big, big part of all this. And I really like to just slow roll and really pay attention to timber types because for example if you know there could have there could have no sign of hunter pressure there could be you know very few pull-offs but if the habitat's all just you know monotonous and the same and what you can tell from the road it's like well maybe this isn't of interest to me but on the other hand a lot of times when we find again overlooked spots there's something about the habitat that we kind of lock on to yeah in addition to like timber types too like what type of egg is planted in this field this time of year is the corn harvested at this time of year and then taking note of that and then in the future like this spot was good when there was beans planted here i I have if there's beans planted here again it might be something to focus on again this year but finding what's been planted in fields on on the public or even adjacent private too is another like from habitat standpoint something that i'm taking note of and one of the main reasons i'm driving around because you can tell that there's egg fields from a map but you don't know what's planted there in that year so that's one one other thing from habitat standpoint that's actually yeah a really good point it's something that we definitely do a lot of especially where Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of broken habitat in ag country it's very beneficial to do that yeah um i've noticed major changes too in in areas from a bean year to a corn year Mm -hmm. sometimes it's you know better to have the beans and other times it's better to have the corn it just depends on how that spot sets up but again driving around these areas you can really quickly figure out you know if this spot sets up better for it to be you know one or the other and then you can just make your decisions based off that yeah or there's a sea of corn somewhere and didn't seem like there was a lot of a lot going on as far as deer movement within the woods but then once that corn's harvested and they don't they're not bedding in that corn anymore and they all dump into the woods like taking note of of the change once they take big blocks of corn out too is is another another thing yeah that's a good point i don't think any of the things that we're talking about are necessarily things that it's a one and done deal. Yeah, like, it's all situational. For yeah, sure. like I like to do this in places that I've been to tons of times because from one year to the next, when you're talking about public land, all of these factors may change. You know, there's always the potential that you know a whole block gets timber cut, or one year it doesn't get planted and it's now you know tall grass and it becomes you know a brushy old field versus a bean field or a wheat field and every single season those things vary a lot Mm -hmm. the other thing that i like to look at from the road is can you glass like are there places that you can get on a high knob and just do your glassing and be able to move from spot to spot pretty quickly without investing 
boots on the ground time. It doesn't set up great for that in every situation. Like if you're listening to this and you're living in the eastern United States with solid timber, there's a lot of situations where it's going to be hard to glass. But don't ever write off the fact that you may see something from the road. I feel like that's something that is a common theme or a common statement that I hear hunters say is, well, you know, it's just too thick here to, to glass from the road. There's been a lot of situations where I've been driving down the road in solid timber and looked up and seen a deer or a turkey. That just immediately puts you in the game. So I think taking advantage of little windows of visibility that you have within an otherwise thick area is still important. Yeah, or might get lucky and have something cross the road right in front of you. And that's hey, buddy. Turkey in North Carolina. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the one of the best examples. We're driving down, and I mean, we're deep in the forest like there's no openings around us for a long way and sun just runs right across the road in front of us and like now we're in the game so much that we got him the next morning yeah and i just think that there's always value in keeping your eyes peeled take your time stay in your lane and just have your head on a swivel and be you know aware of what's going on if you see a little pull off and you can look down through the timber Pull in there and glass. I mean, even if there's timber, there's still plenty of opportunity for you to see something. And I just think that no matter what the species that we're hunting, the more I'm surprised by the opportunities that we have right off the road just because somebody was paying attention, you know. One time we were hunting elk and Colin just looked over. He's like, there's a bull right there. We look at the map and it's like, well, he's going right into public, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I was turkey hunting with my girlfriend Allie this week, and I, I think she's probably got sick of the number of times I said, keep your eyes peeled, make sure you got your eyes peeled, and she's always responding, oh, they're peeled. <laughs> so I've ingrained that into her, that always have your eyes peeled when you're cruising around, no matter what. <laughs> you definitely should. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I like to look for is edge. If you're dealing with a solid timber area, There's a lot of edge that you just can't see from a map. I mean, depending on what that aerial photo looks like, if it's a summertime photo, there might be timber thinning or something that has a really distinct edge, or maybe there's something that isn't updated on that map. And I think that looking for edge a lot of times will ultimately then lead you to deer sign, which will kind of be our next topic. But I really like to look for that edge, and there's just so many examples we could be talking about Mount Moral. We could be talking about rhododendron. We could be talking about, you know, a clear cut that isn't updated on the map. Age structure of pines. Like, are they mature pines? Are they really thick, short cedars? That's more bedding habitat. Just trying to put that story together of what's like, what's bedding habitat? What's, what's not, not bedding habitat? Where's an edge that is an easy travel route for, for something coming out of certain bedding habitats? Yeah. One thing that uh, I didn't suspect to be as much of a factor in my road scouting as it is now is creek bottoms in a big timber setting. There have been quite a few situations where you find some true diversity in that creek bottom, and a lot of times you can see that from the road. So, for example, if I'm going through public land that's broken and I see a creek bottom on my map, that I'm about to cross on the road. There's two things that I'll look at, even if I'm not on public. One is how deep is that water? Because like we've mentioned many times, you may be able to 
um, you know, put waders on and get across something that most people aren't crossing. Use some sort of water access if you can reach it from a public access. But also, what type of vegetation is grown through that? So let's say it's all timber, and I can see that from this road that I'm on, if I can tell there's a lot of thick cover in that creek bottom and it runs up into public, well, that might be something I walk in and check. And that's mm-hmm. really helped uh, helped get on some specific areas. There's an area that I hunted with Keith a few years ago, and we actually made a setup in the bottom right along a creek bottom, middle of the day, super hot. And the whole reason that we set up down there was because it was pretty thick. Ultimately saw a buck. He came to like, I don't really want to get into the details. It's pretty depressing, but he came to like four yards and he just walked right where I didn't think there was a trail, which was a total mistake, but he was a big one. And you know, that particular spot you can tell is that thick from way away where the road is. I mean, to public, you know, walk the public in, it's a good ways back in there. But from the road, even though there's private on both sides, just sitting in your vehicle, you can see that it's thick and it runs up into that public. And I just think that's really been helpful. If it's a muddy bank, like just trying to see if there's what the, what the density of wildlife is in that habitat, you can tell from water crossings a lot with tracks a river is an area that you can see a good ways down you know Mm -hmm. there's situations where i've sat and just glassed you know down a river bottom right in the channel because you may see something cross there a lot of times deer will bed right along it turkeys will you know be roosted right there along a water source like that so just keeping that in mind as well one other thing from a habitat standpoint especially like once the leaves are starting to fall off the trees like the leaves will hold on oaks a lot longer than than other trees especially in like in a mixed hardwood scenario so trying to use that time to identify where oak flats are within mixed hardwoods that's another thing that i'll look for in that time of year specifically mm-hmm. that is a good point i remember talking about that with warb when we were in pennsylvania back in 2020 we were mm-hmm. looking at a hillside and it's like man it's so easy to pick out those oak stands just because yep. You can simply see that color change in the canopy. So that's absolutely something you can tell from the road. And sometimes that might just lead you to a specific spot where maybe deer feeding or, you know, bedding and feeding. So that's a good point. I guess before we move to deer sign, I'd like to talk about a specific example of picking a spot off the road just based off habitat. So we had been cruising past this spot every day just like everybody else had apparently been doing, going into the middle of this piece of public land and going into the areas where, you know, we had more room to roam. But there was this little sliver of public that we were going past every day, and all of a sudden it kind of dawned on somebody. I don't even really remember who brought it up first, but it's like that little spot right there looks pretty good just from here. You could tell that there was a lot more diversity in there than there were in a lot of the other places that we were hunting. Or maybe we were finding areas similar But when we found those other spots, they were just deeper into the public and we were seeing deer come out of them. So it was like, we're seeing deer come out of a place like that way back in there. And we've never seen anybody pulled off right here. Yeah. Every morning and evening we drive in and out of here and there's nobody there. So we decided to do a wind bump in that area. And 
really, we would have never otherwise done it had we not just noticed the diversity. But you could tell how many layers there were in there, too. There was, like, cottonwoods in the center. And then from the outside into those cottonwoods, you could just tell there's a lot of edge and transition line in there. So I was the driver, and Brody and Jake were set up on the downwind side of the thicket. And I just got upwind of it and kind of zigzagged my way on the edge of this thicket. Eventually, I got to kind of the far side of the thicket from where those guys were set up, and I bumped a buck. There was tons of beds right on this one particular transition line, and there was rubs in it, there was beds, and it was like a no-brainer that bucks had been spending time in this spot quite a bit. We decided that we were going to come back, but we were going to give it a little bit of a break. Ended up giving it a break for... I believe two days, three days after the bump, we ended up shooting what I believe is the same buck coming back in there to bed. We heard him moving around right at very first light. He plopped down in the middle of it, and then as soon as the winds picked up that morning, he made a shift, came to point blank, and, and we got a shot at him. And that was like one of the, one of the most memorable habitat spotted from the road situations and there's a lot of factors that play into that i mean the layers of habitat but also driving past and just keeping tabs on it and i think we were subconsciously keeping tabs on it too right it wasn't like we were saying oh this spot like we better keep an eye on it it's just like all of a sudden like man we've been here for like four days and there's never been anybody here but we've seen people in all these other places maybe we should just check this spot right off the road ended up shooting that buck in a tree stand 200 yards from the road i range <laughs> range the road is 200 yards and since then that's happened a f- quite a few times between you know the whole group it's like pretty surprising how often that happens but next deer sign there's certain things that i really like looking for number one is deer trails or deer tracks crossing the road it sounds so silly but in a place where there's a dirt road or something, I mean, a lot of times you can just straight up judge the size of a track on the road, (laughs) which is really helpful. But even if you're dealing with paved roads, a lot of times you can see coming down the edge, you can see a trail, or sometimes you can see rubs, even just getting visual on deer coming out of areas like that at last light too. Yeah, I think like one example from the the tracks on the road standpoint, I think of that hunt in Ohio this last muzzleloader drive season. Mm-hmm. We were walking that road and we found that huge track. Kind of told us that we should do a drive in there. And I don't remember if we did or not. I think we did and we didn't turn anything up. But it was a, a giveaway that there was a mature buck somewhere in that area. Well, we saw one. We saw one right after you guys found that track. Even though it was headed the other way, we did yeah, see a yeah, big yeah. buck, right? that uh-huh. that very hunt so yeah. it's like can give you confidence and it can give you a confirmation that you're in the right area yeah and turkey season it's it's really helpful just finding turkey tracks especially if it's if if it is a dirt road where you can do that and like i mentioned before like after rains like really looking hard for tracks because not only is the ground softer where it's more likely to create a track but also you know it's pretty recent if it's made where you know when it rained last, you know that track had to be made within that time frame since it last rained. Mm-hmm. That's especially after rain, just looking real hard for tracks on the road. Snow as well. That's one Snow thing too. that 
One thing that uh, I feel like we haven't really factored into any of this conversation is how much snow can benefit you in a lot of ways when driving around, whether that's like straight up getting the visual or just showing you where there's fresh tracks or consistent deer movements. So a couple of places that come to mind that I really utilized the tactic of like hanging my head out the window looking for tracks was Alabama and Minnesota. And I know those are like very different. So that's why I bring both of them up. When hunting in Minnesota, a lot of times we would get to an edge and we would just look right down that edge and try to see if there was deer tracks coming across there. Or if there was public land that we thought deer might be bedded on and maybe like a food source over here, we would check those tracks. And that's ultimately what led us into the area where a really big buck was living. You know the story of the one coming in six minutes before legal light. Yeah. That's how we found out he was in the area and it was worth hunting. I mean, we scouted in that area and found buck sign, but there was also big buck tracks going back into that bedding area. So that was super helpful. But then in Alabama, it was a very different situation where we had gravel road. We could look to see where tracks were, and we started finding that these deer really weren't living that far from the road. And I think you kind of brought up the point earlier of deer monitoring hunter pressure. And Mm -hmm. I think that is something that really helped us have more confidence in some of the places that we ended up hunting when we were down there. We would drive down the road and we would see high densities of tracks. And actually, in one case, we found where two bucks just straight up thought in the road. It was super cool. There was all these scuffed up tracks and they were big. And you could tell they were just facing each other. It was so obvious that it was a buck fight. And that was right on the road, like on the gravel road. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, light bulb it kind of created was okay if these things lay right here, they certainly hear us pull down the road and then they definitely hear us pull right into these obvious pull-offs. So what we started doing in that situation was we'd go up to a mile sometimes further than where we wanted to hunt, park at a different access point where he couldn't hear us if he was there, and then we'd sneak down the road and just pop right off the road and hunt. And that was really, really beneficial. So like super thick areas, I think that can be helpful. Yeah. If you find a scenario like that too, it almost makes them more vulnerable because they're relying on that monitoring of that lot as one of their safety mechanisms. So if you do something different when it comes to accessing where you think they're betting to monitor that, it almost gives you the leg up on that because they're Mm -hmm. using that to to keep safe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Keep safe. (laughs) (laughs) I have another example of like a weird one that just happened to me recently i was scouting this is a lot of these things coming together so i was driving down the road and i had private land on both sides but butting up to that private land was some public and i noticed on the private side it was really thick there was a lot of tall grass and there was like a house that didn't strike me as hunt camp you know it just kind of was a rundown beat down house there might have not even been anybody living there i don't really remember but I was looking at on X and the same landowner owned both sides of the road. And it just didn't appear to me that there was any hunting access going on there. So I was like, well, there's probably not people coming in from the private. So that was a good sign. Then I turned 
and it went up the road and now eventually run into the public land and that's on both sides and from the road i could tell that it was steep uphill and it was really thick and again on my map i couldn't really see that Mm -hmm. i was like man I can see on my map now that there's a transition line right up on top of that ridge. And that ridge runs right into that private where it's also thick. And I was like, that just seems like something that deer could be traveling. I'm going down the road and I also notice, hey, there's no pull-off on either side of the road. Again, it's super steep and thick, so nobody's pulling off right here. I drove probably a mile up the road and there finally was an obvious pull-off. But from that pull-off, the trail went up one way and where i'm looking at is across the road the other way mm-hmm. so i park there walk down there and i'm again right off the road i mean i'm a few hundred yards above the road and i get up on that transition line and it's immediately like rub 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 scrape 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 i'm like yeah this is looking pretty good and i was like i better go walk down there and just kind of see what that edge looks like Sure enough, I get down there, it gets even thicker. And I'm walking through there filming stuff with my phone. Sure enough, I get right to the end, right where it starts to kind of drop. And there's a bunch of big beds and I find a big five point side. I'm like, you know, had I, had I not been paying attention to all those little details along the way, I would have never went up in there. And honestly, in hunting season, I don't know that I'd have had the confidence to take the time out of my day to go in there and do it. So in this particular situation, the fact that it was off season certainly helped my odds. And the fact that I had a hurt knee and couldn't get around real well. Uh-huh. I probably shouldn't have been doing that <laughs> yeah. anyway with your knee. That was, yeah, that was with a completely obliterated ACL. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that just plays out that way you know I, I don't know that i would have ever found that spot or even given it a half a thought had i not just driven past and just noticed you know that private line being pretty thick right there so mm-hmm. yeah I think that's cool for sure i guess one other thing i just wanted to bring up was that um looking at the public areas for sure but also just observing surrounding private areas just to see like those trails crossing the road or like from a deer sign perspective, like trying to find deer sign on private around it, just to try to get a better understanding of the deer density in those areas. Like, okay, these, the private land around this has a ton of deer sign. There's probably a good, a good deer density on the public. That's right by here. Not just limiting that drive around scouting to the public areas, but also checking out private areas just to get a better grasp of deer density. Yeah. Maybe they're not living there all the time, but let's say you're in a high deer density area and on the private that butts up to public, if you got a bunch of really thick habitat where big bucks feel safe and they're undisturbed, if there's doe groups that are living on the public, at some point in the season, those bucks are going to start checking that. Paying attention to feeders and stuff that are bordering public land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've talked with land smathers about this exact thing where if you look on, on X, a lot of times on an opening, you're looking at that aerial image. You can just see the tripod shadow laying yeah. down on the ground. You know, It's like, well, when that photo is taken, at least there's a feeder sitting right in the middle of that field. And you know, deer may be coming from that public thicket down to private. So I just think if that's legal in your state, it's worth taking note of as well. Yeah. Or identifying, like some guy has a bunch of skulls on the outside of his property that is right next to public and just 
seeing, okay, there are pretty big deer here. Like that's a pretty good giveaway. <laughs> I have a pin on my map that says big shed guy. <laughs> Cause on his little hunting cabin or whatever, he's just got big sheds all across the front porch. And it's like, okay, well, thanks for the tip, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most of what we talked about is like current during season. I think during off season, I have a lot different mindset, like specifically when it comes to deer, I like to drive around a lot in the off season, especially in, in the winter when, when food sources are limited or habitats limited, it seems like those deer, or it seems like deer tend to group up in places that have great habitat that time of year. And they're just way more visible at that time of year. So you can get a really good grasp on like where there's high deer densities in, in the late winter months. And I like to drive around a lot during that time, time frame. Plus there's a lot of snow on the ground. So you can, you can tell like, is even if there isn't deer out in the field, you can tell it's just littered with tracks or torn up from deer digging for food. Like mm-hmm. trying to utilize that off season time after the season to, to find where there's high deer densities is one thing I like to do a lot. It also, it gets way easier to see those transition lines. Like that is, yeah. Again, the reason that I found that spot that I just talked about that was close to the road where I could just see, you know, a transition line going up through that led onto the public. And it's like, those are the types of things that you can really get a good visual on when there's no leaves on the trees. And, you know, early in the season, like September, October, a lot of places you're not going to be able to see that nearly as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap this one up. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. And if there's anything that, you want to hear us talk about in the future when it comes to scouting from the road or, you know, finding overlooked spots, you know, let us know or topics in general. See you on the next one.